John chapter number 13. The Bible does tell us uh, we ought to be content with such things as we have, but I must confess I was just a little jealous when I come up and seen everybody sitting on the porch enjoying the good sunshine this afternoon. And I thought of all days for a man to have his family sick, not to be able to mingle. Today would have been a great day to sit on the porch and enjoy the good weather the Lord has given us. And I thank the Lord for the, for the day that he has given us. All right. John chapter number 13, if you will stand with us uh, for the reading and reverence of the word of God. I want to start in verse number one and work my way down to verse number nine. And uh, then you can be seated and we will pray. John chapter number 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we need to touch from you tonight. I ask God that you'd help us with this little simple thought that you've placed upon our heart. We'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to consider something here concerning these verses of Scripture that the Lord has continued uh, to deal with my heart about. I want you to notice, as we mentioned this morning, the humbleness of our dear Savior uh, and his willingness to wash the feet of these disciples. Now, we do understand this is following right after uh, of the uh, the Lord's Supper or the final supper, if you will, the last supper, and knowing uh, that the time had come that Jesus Christ was preparing, if you will, to go to the cross of Calvary. He is mentally understanding, he's aware cognitively what is going on and that the time is drawing near for his uh, for him to be crucified. And uh, we see this matter of washing the feet of the disciples, and we see here what this this picture uh, of of the humbleness and this picture of the pride uh, that Peter had, and we understand in the book of Revelation, chapter number one, the Bible says that he hath washed us in his own blood, and it's more than just his blood being shed, brother Shane, but it was his humbleness to go to Calvary to bleed and die that he purposed in his heart to cleanse us of our sin, and I appreciate that. But we see the Lord's humbleness, but we see the pride here of Peter. Until Peter understood the consequences of not allowing the Lord to wash his feet. Notice with me, if you will, that uh, Peter saith unto him in verse 8, Thou shalt never wash my feet. 
regardless of the motivation here, regardless of what Peter uh, is driving at, Peter seemed to always be one step ahead of the Lord. And I've noticed sometimes that getting one step ahead sometimes causes you actually to get in the way rather than to, to, to go along with. And Peter had a tendency to always tend to get in the way. He'd be one step ahead trying to, to think ahead and he would get in the way. But Peter said unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. And I believe that Peter uh, is, is loving the Lord and does not expect the Lord to bow down before Peter and to wash Peter's feet. Also, I see a picture here of, of pride. So his care for the Lord and, and the pride of not uncovering his feet for the Lord uh, to be washed. I see here that, uh, that Jesus tells him of a consequence. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part of me. Notice Jesus didn't say, oh, yes, I am going to wash your feet. Now, Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have said, absolutely, I'm going to wash your feet. You sit down and shut your mouth and you be real still. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did answer him, though, and he gave him a, a, the understanding that there's a consequence to me not washing your feet. I'll say this. If you've never been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there's a consequence to that, and the consequence of that is uh, eternal separation from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will not make you be washed in the blood. He has made provision. Can I say that uh, the Bible says that he laid, us, laid aside his garments. You do realize when Christ hung on Mount Calvary and he bled and died that he did so with his naked body, Brother Shane, hanging from a tree. Now imagine, if you will, the shame of being naked before all of those people. Now I've said it before, but nakedness is a picture of the openness of sin for we see nakedness in the Garden of Eden uh, when man had been, it had been revealed to man things that they were not intended to know because of their disobedience. Can I say to you that their disobedience was from their feet having taken them to a place where they were not to go and their hands taking something they were not to grab because the devil or Satan, if you will, had messed with their mind and deceived Eve, if you will. Eve being deceived, took of the tree, eat of the tree, and then offered it to Adam. Now there's a revelation. It's been revealed unto them things that God never intended for them to know. And now we see that nakedness hath appeared. And because of the understanding of their nakedness, they desire to cover themselves up. And so they make an effort, if you will, to cover their nakedness. But having said this, the consequence here, Jesus answered, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And I, I thought about this. It was obviously important enough to Peter to have the relationship with the Lord, to be with the Lord. Can I say to you, Peter's been following the Lord. Peter had to turn away from whatever life he had been living and doing what he was doing as a uh, fisherman, if you will, and his, his uh, skill set and all that he had shaped and formed his life around, he had put on, on a hold or put on the sideline and began to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Undoubtedly, there must have been some seriousness to his uh, desire to be with Christ or he would not have been found in the presence of Christ. And so his desire to be with Christ understands is called into question here or the, the fact of him being with Christ is called into question if he does not allow the Lord to wash his feet. Jesus answered him and said, if I wash thee not, 
thou hast no part with me. And we know tonight that if you've not been washed in the blood of the Lamb, because Jesus Christ, having shed his blood, died for all of mankind, but there's a part that you and I play that there will be no part with the Lord. So Simon Peter then responds to the Lord. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So undoubtedly, whatever reservations that Peter had about this particular uh, incident in in time, uh, obviously it bothered Peter enough that Peter didn't want the Lord to do it because of the response he initially gave the Lord. But having facing the consequences and looking at the consequences of not allowing the Lord to do this, he weighed it in the balance and found that it would be better off if he would allow the Lord to do what the Lord desired to do, not what the Lord was going to make happen, but what the Lord desired to do. Can I say to you tonight, the Lord's desiring to do some things. He's desiring to save some people. He wants to save some people, but they have to be willing. And we need to help show them the consequences of that decision, one way or the other. But Simon having weighed, Simon Peter having weighed this out, he saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only. So notice here, all that the Lord asked was that Peter allow him to wash his feet. The intention was for Christ to wash the feet of Simon Peter. But when the consequences were revealed, Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And I, I wondered, and, and I had never paid much attention to it. I knew the scripture. I've read the scripture countless times, but I never give the scripture a whole lot of consideration. Why would Peter desire that the, his head and hands be washed as well? Now, I want to say this. Uh, we, we wash our hands, and I hope you wash your feet and your head, okay? Uh, if you don't, just stay a little bit away from me, all right? I don't want to smell you. But what I am saying here is there's something to the hands and to the feet and to the head that I want to call our attention to tonight for just a moment. Notice with me, if you will, as I just stated, that it was Adam and Eve that took of that tree uh, that they were not supposed to take of, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The feet that God gave them walked them to the tree. The hands that God gave them took of the fruit. The, the mind, the head, if you will, that God gave them had been informed that they were not to take of this tree, but yet Satan comes along uh, and beguiles Eve and deceives her, and now she does what she should not do. Now, I thought about this. If she had no feet, she wouldn't have made it to the tree. If she'd have had feet and no hands, she wouldn't have taken of the tree. If she'd have had no brain, she wouldn't have walked or grabbed of the tree. But these three things together created a problem for them. They had a mind of their own, feet to take them places and hands to take a hold of what they should not. You and I were born with those same three things. I I guess uh, what I'm getting at here is if, if we'll consider something tonight, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that was washing the feet of the disciples. But, but Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And I thought about these three things, and I want to look at these three things for just a moment, if the Lord would be our helper. Now, tonight, we know that Jesus Christ, uh, no doubt, had been crucified 
later on in the Gospel of John. And when we look at chapter number 20 and verse number 14, the Bible says here, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. So we're going to find here that Mary has stood at the sepulcher weeping because Jesus Christ was not there. As we preached this morning, he had arisen. And we see that there were two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. So he was not there anymore, thank God. But the Bible says in verse 13, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have Laid them. Now notice here in verse 14, Jesus appears unto her, but she does not know that it is Jesus. How do we know that? Well, since she had thus said, talking to the angels, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. Jesus hasn't spoken to her. She's in conversation with the angels. But the Bible says Mary Magdalene knew not that it was Jesus. So Jesus now speaks to her in verse 15 and saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Notice this, this Mary Magdalene loves the Lord. She knows the Lord. She's been around the Lord. She has seen the Lord. She is familiar with the Lord, but now she does not recognize him. It would be easy for you and I to assume that she doesn't know him because in Isaiah chapter number 52 and verse number 14, the Bible said, as many were astonished at thee as vigils was so marred more than any man in his form more than the sons of men. The problem with this is though Jesus now has a glorified body. And I want you to understand that he wasn't recognizable as the Jesus that they knew when he was hanging on the cross. But as Jesus Christ has been taken and laid into the tomb, into the sepulcher, and his body has been wrapped in the linen and he's been laid there, his vigils was marred. They only knew it was Christ because they seen what had happened to him as it was transpiring. So he's placed in the tomb. Now he's arisen. He's in a glorified body and he is not recognizable. Now it would stand to reason that Jesus, if he looked the same out of the tomb as he did when he was in the tomb, Mary Magdalene would have had no issue having recognized the Lord Jesus Christ as the man that bore her sins upon the cross of Calvary. So we know Jesus has got a glorified body. There is no doubt about that. The Bible tells us here that in Psalms chapter number 22, verse number 16, for dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and feet. Now I want you to notice this. We understand and you know that when Jesus hung at Calvary that he gave both of his hands and both of his feet to have the nails drove into him so that he uh, could hang on Calvary and bleed and die for our sins. And we know that when Jesus here not have been, not have been uh, uh, recognized by Mary Magdalene, that we also find in John chapter number 20, verse number 24, that Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. 
The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now what's interesting is the Lord has been given a glorified body. The visage, his, his, the ability to look at the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, would not, you're not going to see him as he was when he come off of the cross at Calvary with his body ripped and torn into shreds. But Thomas is saying, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail prints in his hands and thrust my fingers or my hand into his side. So we see here that uh, the Bible said in verse 26, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither uh, thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. He didn't have to touch his hands. He didn't have to thrust his finger into his side, even though that was what he said he would have to do. But when he got in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, he recognized Christ, although understanding that Mary Magdalene did not. Why did Mary Magdalene not understand that it was Christ, but, but that Thomas did when he seen the Lord? Because Thomas was looking for the nail prints in his hand and the wound that was in his side. Can I say to you that the Lord Jesus Christ, although given a glorified body, although not looking like he did when he come off of the cross of Calvary, although his body was no longer to be looked at as a mutilated, torn piece of meat, God, when he gave him the glorified body, gave him a glorified body with some scars in his hands and in his feet and in his side. And it, it, it's, it's ironic to me that Peter is saying to the Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head do I want you to wash. Now notice there were some things that happened to Christ when he hung on Mount Calvary on the cross. His hands were given. His feet were given. We know that they plaited a, a crown of thorns and placed it up on his head. The Bible, uh, it, it tells us here that, uh, that if I can find my place, uh, I believe it's over in Matthew 27, verses number 29. Let's go to Matthew 27 for just a minute. And verse number 29, we'll find a familiar passage of scripture here, but I want to read something to you for just a moment. Matthew 27 and verse number 29 the Bible says, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. Now notice what was it that they plaited and put on the head of our Savior. A crown of thorns. I have a crown of thorns down at the house, meant to bring them tonight and run off and forgot them. They are some wicked, mean looking things. Let me tell you. And what I'm saying to you is they plaited this crown of thorns to mock him as king of the Jews. Now you and I know that he's king of kings and lord of lords. We do not doubt that tonight. 
But they are mocking him and placing these thorns upon his head. And the thorns that are in his head, uh, we know that thorns were given, right? Because the ground was cursed due to original sin in the Garden of Eden. The very sin that was given that caused this earth to be cursed and bring forth thorns while mankind was to work and to till the ground by the sweat of his face, eat his bread because of the curse that had been put on this world all stems from the feet that took them to the tree and the hands that reached forth and the ears that would not give heed to what thus saith the Lord. Now understand that Peter's saying, don't wash my feet only, wash my hands and wash my head. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is suffering. He's given his hands, he's given his feet, and he's given his head for a crown of thorns. The, the crown, understand that being, being king of kings and lord of lords, he will wear a crown, amen? But this time on earth, he's wearing a crown of thorns. He is the king of all people, but he's a, the king, if you will, of sin. All of man's sin has been placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is bearing it. And the crown of thorns, the pain of the thorns is symbolic, if you will, to what it is that he's actually paying for. When they seen the thorns, they did not recognize what it was that they were actually doing to him. They wanted to mock him uh, as, as uh, those that say he was king of the Jews. But Pilate said, no, we're going to leave it like it is. What I've written, I've written. And essentially, he, it was said that he was king of the Jews. He was indeed what the superscription said he was. But they were there to mock him. But he wore the crown of thorns on his head as a symbolic picture of the fact that the curse that was placed on this world was why Jesus Christ was in the very position that he was in. So he gave his head for the thorns, his hands for the nails, and the feet for his nails. And can I say to you, even after he got his glorified body, the, the nail prints are still in his hands, still in his feet, the wound is still in his side, and you and I will never be able to look at Jesus Christ, Brother Gene, in his glorified body and not be reminded of our hands and our feet, friend, and our head, and the sin that caused this situation to be what it was. Now, you do understand, if we confess our our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? And we've taught that uh, he has put our sin away from us as far as the east is from the west. Do you know why you uh, do not remember something? Brother Gene, you do not remember something because you forgot it, right? Uh, but here's the thing. We forget it because it's an accident. We try to remember and we can't. It's hard for us to remember some things because we by accident have forgotten them. But Jesus didn't forget our sin on accident. He forgave our sin and forgot our sin on purpose. Hallelujah unto God. Only Jesus can forgive and forget, I mean forget, as far as the east is from the west, on purpose. And I thank the Lord for that. But you and I will always see his hands. We will always see his feet just as they were, and we will be reminded of what he done for us. Let me tell you something. I, I thought about this, and Lord just really helped me. We by nature see things that are unnatural as taboo. Anything that's out of the ordinary that we see that is out of, out of our idea of natural kind of causes us to stand back and take a second glance, if you will. All right, when we, when we run across someone that is maimed, or we, we run across someone that has been severely injured. Or, or something, uh, you know, you could run across somebody, Brother Gene, that's had severe burns. 
And uh, it no doubt changes their, their body. The way that they look is not the same as they did maybe before they uh, got burnt or had whatever serious accident that maybe they've had. To walk into the store sometimes and see a veteran that may have lost a limb. And I'm not picking on people. I'm just saying it's something that we do not see as ordinary or natural or normal. And so it causes us to stop and take a look at it. And you can't look at a veteran that's had his arm blowed off or his leg blowed off and not think about the sacrifice that that individual made for the freedom that you and I have today. Not a day goes by, friend, that that individual doesn't look in the mirror or go to do something that he would normally have done and not realize that there's something different. He is reminded of the sacrifice. Can I say to you that you and I, God the Father, Jesus Christ, those that are with the Lord for all of eternity will always and forever be reminded of what he done for us. If you and I today could remember and be reminded and keep it on the forefront of our mind what he went through and what he done for you and me, it would make a difference in your everyday life. And so I thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father chose to give the Lord Jesus Christ a glorified body, but to also leave the scars in his hands and in his feet. He done it on purpose. God done it on purpose. God took away all of the things that had happened to Christ's body but left those things for us. And so I thought about how uh, maybe a, a couple, if you will, allow me just to use this example. A couple that is married, been married for some time and, and maybe in the morning before the husband goes off to work uh, gets a peck on the cheek and a goodbye and a lunch and goes out the door uh, to start his day. And uh, how that would become maybe routine for some individual. And then one day to have something happen or to be in some tragic accident that caused you to be maimed or to be different than you were before. I can only imagine, Brother Gene, that if I had some disfiguration or something that had transpired to me, it would cause me uh, to feel awkward or embarrassed about uh, kissing my wife on the cheek or my wife to kiss me on the cheek when for years she's seen me as I was and now I was different. But it will not be that way when you and I be with Jesus. We will not look at him as if he's unnatural. And I will say this, what he done was awful unnatural. What he went through was awful unnatural. But we will not look at Christ as taboo. We will not look at Christ as someone that is different or someone that we don't want to touch. But friend, I feel that I'll be like Thomas. I'll want to touch his nail prints. I will want to kiss his feet to hold his hand. It was, it was, it was, uh, Peter that said, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus had humbled himself and was going to wash the feet of Peter. Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. He said, if I don't, you won't have any part with me. But you understand, there'll be a day when you and I will bow down and we will kiss the feet of Jesus and we will thank him in humble adoration for what he'd done for you and for what he'd done for me. And I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. So I thought about how Thomas put his fingers into the side of the Lord Jesus Christ and we understand here that Thomas didn't even have to do it before he said, oh my God. You know, we, we'll hear people take that terminology and they'll use it in a derogatory manner. And it's because something that is unbelievable to them 
Uh, they see something that's amazing, it's unbelievable, and they'll take the Lord's name in vain and say, oh my God, do you know where that come from? It come from this portion of Scripture in John uh, where, where he looks at Jesus and he says, oh my God, something he did not believe had become believable because of what he had seen. And so let me read to you here for just a minute a few verses of Scripture and then we'll be done tonight. But I thought about the hands and the feet and I thought about the head and how that Peter had desired for the Lord Jesus Christ not only uh, to wash his feet uh, but to wash his head uh, and his hands as well. And so let me read to you if I can Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 5. The Bible says for they... Uh, that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We have a, we have a problem today, and it starts in our mind. Psalms 119 verse 15 says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. You know, you and I, how we're going to control our mind, we're going to have to meditate in his precepts and consider and think of him. We will consider and think of him all for eternity as we see the nail prints and the hand prints. I mean, the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. And you and I know that we have to consider him. We have to, uh, to, to think upon him. If we would consider him and think upon him and give mind year in and year out, day in, day out, just not on Easter Sunday, just not on Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday once a year, but truly consider and think about what our Lord and Savior went through for us, it would have an effect on us. So the psalmist said, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Why should we do that? Well, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse number nine, the heart is deceitful above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now, we do know that Luke chapter six and verse 45 says that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And so we know that, uh, that if it comes out of our mouth, it first had to be going on in our mind, right? Now I want to say this. You'll find that there was a mind game going on before Eve headed towards the tree of knowledge of good and evil and reached forth her hand and took of the tree and did eat. We know that, right? There had to be footsteps that took her to the tree. There had to be a hand that reached up and grabbed from the tree. When you and I do wrong, our footsteps take us somewhere. Our footsteps take us somewhere and then our hands reach forth and take what it is that we are in the presence of that our feet had the ability to take us to. And so understanding here, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We know that it starts in the heart, then it comes out of the mouth. Matthew 15 and 18 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. So we know that if it comes out of our mouth, it must have been in our heart to begin with, right? Uh, you, you, you say what it is that you're thinking. Sometimes you will by accident allow things to come out of your mouth that you did not intend to come out of your mouth. But the thing is, it was already going on in your mind before it come out of your mouth. It says, but the, these things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart, listen now, proceed evil thoughts. 
We just heard in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things desperately wicked. But notice with me in Matthew 15 and 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. But verse 19 says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Well, it would only stand to reason that a deceitful heart would have deceitful thoughts, right? So deceitful heart brings forth evil thoughts. But notice this, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, Blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man. Notice with me, if you will, it's not just out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh, but it's out of the heart that proceeds evil thoughts. It's out of the heart that murders happen, out of the heart that adulteries are had, out of the heart that you find fornication, out of the heart that theft is present, out of the heart is false witness and lying, out of the heart is blasphemies. I want you to know something. Your hands and your feet are connected to that of your mind. And notice with me, if you will, that it's the feet that take us places we don't need to go. It's the feet that are dirty. It's the feet that are nasty. You understand that in those days, those men were running around in, in shoes not like we were today. Their feet were open and, 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 and present to the elements of the world and the dirt and the grime. And when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, I dare say, Brother Gene, the dirtiest part of their entire body was their feet. So he went to the dirtiest part of their body and began to wash away the dirt and the grime, if you will. But understand that was symbolic. The dirtiest part of you and me is our heart. And our heart causes our feet to go where they go and our hands to do what they do. And I'm glad that the Lord gave of his life and he bled and died so that you and I could have our sins washed away. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So we find here that there's a problem in the hearts of man. And we find that the, the problem in the heart of man, the root of the problem being the heart, causes the other parts of our body to do the things that we do. Now, in closing, can I, let me say this. In Luke chapter number 15, we know of a very familiar story, and I don't intend to read all of it. I don't intend to read it tonight, but I just want to take you by memory and, and look at something for just a moment. Luke 15 is a very familiar story. We read about the prodigal son who took his father's inheritance and went to the far country. I want you to notice, if you will, that the country was a long ways off. There was some effort, Brother Shane, that had to be put into getting far away from daddy's house. The sin that he committed in the far country wasn't happenstance or just on accident. A lot of times people want to act like that uh, when they get into sin or they've done something, well, it was just an accident. It just happened. No, no, it didn't. Sin doesn't just happen. Things don't just happen. It's going on in your mind, in the warfare of your mind. Uh, the, the, the devil is, is, is fighting for you at the same time that the Lord is. And Satan is trying to get at you just like he did Eve. And if you will lend an ear to what he has to say, he will deceive you. And the next thing you know, you will walk to a place you were told not to go, grab what you were told not to grab, do what you were told not to do, and it will reveal things in your life and bring things into your life that you wish never had have happened, all because of your mind. But notice this, the young man must have been sitting around one day, Brother Gene, thinking about the inheritance that he had coming to him. Now, I, I hate to say it like this, but I believe there's a lot of people that's waiting for a lot of people to die so they can get what's coming to them. 
I mean, honestly, I believe that. If you don't believe me, you just wait till after a funeral sometimes and watch the fight ensue. Uh, the, the, the person's not even good and buried yet and people's fighting over the finances and the land and the goods inside the house and all that's going on. Why? They weren't interested in the person that passed away. They were interested in what they could get from the person. And so this young man is sitting here and he's thinking about what kind of inheritance his father could give him. He wasn't thinking about the roof that he had over his head. He wasn't thinking about the food that he had on the table. He wasn't thinking about the clothes that the father had provided. All he was thinking about was the pleasure that he could have down there in the far country with the funds that were going to come from the father's house. And so he's thinking about this situation. He wants what he wants. He inquires of it from his father. His father gives him the inheritance that was coming to him. And the next thing you know, he's in the far country. But there was a lot of miles between daddy's house and the far country. Something kept that boy's feet headed to where he was going. And it was what he had in his mind. But I want to say this. We know that sin, when it is finished, doth what? Bringeth forth death. Now here's what I want you to understand. This young man's in the far country. He wastes the inheritance that his father had given him. He squanders it, throws it away, finds himself far worse than he could have ever imagined that he would be. And as he's fixing to eat with the hogs and eat with the swine and desiring to have his belly filled with the the husk that the swine did eat because of the extreme hunger that he had gotten him into a place so low that he'd gotten himself to a place where he was that hungry, he began to think. Notice how, how he winds up back at daddy's house. He began to think. What took him to the far country was that he give his mind to some things that he shouldn't give his mind to. And when he got down there in the far country and his life got so low, then his mind began to take him back to the place where he was. And he began to realize that it wasn't so bad at daddy's house. I'll say this, Brother Shane, every time I've ever went against the Lord and wound up out of the house of God and got far away, I got down there somewhere and I said, it just wasn't all that bad back at Daddy's house. And how fortunate that the Lord spared me and allowed me the grace and the mercy to come back to his house and get right with God. But I'll say this, I'd rather be in the house of God today than I would to be out there slopping with the hogs down in the far country. And I thank God for that. But I'll say this, something brought the young man back. His mind. He thought about home before he made the journey back. Now I want to say to you, Peter is is not just calling attention to his feet, but to his hands and to his head. And the Lord has given his hands and his feet and his head at the cross of Calvary. And he bled and he died. He shed his blood and he offered an atonement once and for all for you and for me. And by accepting Jesus Christ and what he'd done by the offering of his hands, the offering of his feet, the giving of his head to the crown of thorns, uh, he has given us an opportunity, friend, to be with him, to be at home with the Lord and for this country never to be our home but to be a citizen of another country, friend, to have our heart and our home and our hope in another land where the Lord Lord Jesus Christ is at. And I want to say to you tonight, are you thinking about it? Now here's my question to you, and I'm, I'm simply done tonight. What is it that you're thinking about? Now I want you to notice this, if you will. Nothing happens uh, by accident, but what happens, happens because what you give your mind to. And we know that our heart is deceitful. It's wicked. But we know that in the precepts of God's word, it was David that said, Thy words uh, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. He said, Thy words are lamp into my feet and light into my path. 
It was a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He had to give himself to the laws of the Lord. He had to give himself to the word of God to illuminate the way that he should go. Because if he went upon his own accord and his own mindset, he would take himself astray every time. So here's what I want you to see. If we don't give ourselves to the Lord, if we don't focus in his word, we're going to go the wrong way. But it will always start in your mind. So let me ask you tonight simply this. I don't know your heart. I don't know what you're doing or what you're not doing. And you may not have done anything yet, but you might be on the edge of fixing to make a drastic, drastic decision that's going to take you in the wrong direction. You can be thinking in your mind, and listen, Satan loves to attack those that are down. He loves to attack those that, that are on the outskirts of the herd, that are a little slower than the rest, that are struggling. What are you struggling with? What have you given your mind to? What are you thinking about? Listen, I think there's some folk that's thinking about quitting. I believe there's some folk tonight, maybe not just in here, but folk that's members of this church that's got it in their head that they'd be better off somewhere else than the house of God. They've thought about quitting. They've thought about doing other things. They've got their mind in other areas. And I'll tell you, friend, where their mind is at today will be where their body is at tomorrow if they don't get their mind right with God. So let me ask you tonight. You may be doing all you can do tonight to hide what's going on in your heart from the people of the church and and from your family members, but you cannot keep it from God. He knows your heart. He tries the, he searches the heart. He tries the reins. The Lord is looking dead into the middle of your heart right now. He knows where you are at. If you do not stop and put your mind and eyes back on the Lord and in the word of God, wholly give yourself to the precepts of God's word, you're going to find yourself wherever your mind is at. If your mind is not in God's book, If your mind is not considering him that endured such contradiction of sinners, if you're not considering the nail prints in the hands and the feet and the crown of thorns that was on the head of Jesus Christ, you've given your mind to other things, friend. It won't be long and you won't be at God's house. You won't be doing what God has called you to do. You won't be doing what God wants you to do. You won't be the person God wants you to be. I'm telling you, Jesus left the scars in the hands of Christ. I mean, God left the scars in the hand of Christ and in his feet for a reason. It was a reminder to the disciples. It will be a reminder to you and I. And if he was wanting his disciples to be reminded of the wounds in the hands and in the feet and the crown of thorns that was on the head of Christ, you and I should remind ourselves of it. We should be cognitively uh, aware of the fact that that is what God wants out of us. Consider, consider, consider. We're going to have to get our minds right with God. It's not just our hands. It's not just our feet. Our feet go where our mind tells it to go. And when we get there, our hands do what our mind tells it to do. Listen, I don't know what's going on in your heart, in your mind. The heart in the scripture is the mind. You need to understand that. The heart in the word of God is the mind. So, where's your mind at tonight? You may be sitting here tonight. Your mind may be on supper. Your mind may be somewhere else. Your mind might be on what's going on at work tomorrow. Your mind may be on other things. Let me tell you something, friend. It won't be long if your mind's not on Jesus that Jesus won't be anywhere near what you've got going on in your life. And without Jesus, you're going to find yourself just like that young man did down in the far country, slopping with the hogs and have wasted your entire life and everything God has wanted to give you. 
And then you're going to go to thinking about God again. So I say this to you. You'll think about him one way or the other. Right? Now let me, let me say this. We know that every knee is going to bow, right? Amen. We do know that every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If I can find my notes here, I want to read to you something that I jotted down here uh, real quickly. If I can find it. Philippians chapter number 2 The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what kind of mind are we to have? We're to have the same mindset that Christ does. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now listen, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. We see the lordship of Jesus Christ right here. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. What is under the earth? What is in the heart of the earth? He that ascended must first descend in what? To the lower parts of the earth. Now you can argue with me theologically or whatever you want to do about where hell's at. But hell's in the heart of the earth. And I want you to understand today that the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is not implying salvation. This is implying that those, whether heaven, earth, or hell, are going to be those that bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace to the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Notice what's missing right here. In Philippians, we find that it's in the heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In Colossians 1.20, we find that it's whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. We see reconciliation in Colossians. We see lordship, the lordship of Jesus Christ in the book of Philippians. So what am I saying to you today? I'm saying to you today that every knee's going to bow, whether they want to or whether they don't. We know that. It's going to be for those that are saved and unsaved alike. But let me say to you today, if you're saved by the grace of God, if you're saved by the grace of God, you still need to stay at the feet of Jesus. You still have to be on your hands and knees in prayer, in humble adoration for what he done for you. And at the feet of Jesus, friend, you'll find the scars that are in his feet for what he done for you and I. You and I need not forget, ever forget, or let the scars of what Christ done ever get far from our mind. For the moment that you and I let the wounds that Christ bore in his body get far from our mind, we will find ourselves going the places that our feet take us and grabbing the things that our hands grab because our mind has taken us to a place we never should have gone. Do you know your imagination can take you places that your body's not at? But your imagination being deceitful, friend, will eventually put your feet into gear and put mile after mile after mile. It's a long way to the far country. The Bible doesn't say how many miles it was, but he does say it was a far way off. How is it that a man can go that far away from the father's house? How is it? Simply by not thinking on the things he should have been thinking on and thinking of the things he should not have been thinking on. For when he thought of the things he should have been thinking on, it caused him to retrace his steps all the way back to where he come from. 
It's amazing just where your feet will take you when you have your mind in the right place. And I'm telling you now, you may not have made the mistake today. You may not be in the shape that you will be in. But if you do not get your mind right, if you do not get your head wrapped around the things of God, if you do not put your eyes back on the wounds of Jesus Christ, I promise you today, you will find yourself in the far country slopping with the hogs, wishing that you hadn't wasted everything that God had provided for you. So what are you thinking about tonight? As the sister comes and finds us something uh, softly on the piano, let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. Only, only you know, friend, what's in your heart. Only you know the things that you're struggling with. Only you know what's going on inside of your mind. And I would like to ask you tonight, how much of what's going on inside of your mind is relative and related to that of the cross of Calvary? How much of what you're struggling with has got to do with the wounds and the hands and the feet of our Lord and Savior? Oh, I do, to be honest with you, my mind sometimes gets real messed up. Sometimes I let the stress of my life, the stress of things get the better of me. And I find that even in my service to the Lord, I forget to think about the wounds that are in the hands and the feet of the one that died for me. Boy, I tell you how invigorating it is, how precious it is, how wonderful it is tonight to be reminded of the wounds that are in the hands and the feet of Jesus. If God in Jesus' glorified body made sure that he had the nail prints in his hands and his feet, I think you and I ought to give consideration today of those scars. Let me say this to you, and I'm, I'm done tonight. If you'll consider the scars that were given for you, it will prevent you from wounding yourself and having scars yourself. He has scars today to prevent you from scarring your life. And you don't have to wear scars in your life if you'll keep your eyes on the scars that are in his hands and in his feet for you. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I know the mind is a dangerous thing and lots of things happen in the mind. Friend, you're in danger of your feet taking you places they ought not go. Your hands grabbing a hold of things they ought not grab if you allow your mind to get far from the scars of our Lord and Savior.